Hey, Jay. Just got done with the latest episode of Roleplay Rescue, Face to Face, and I gotta agree with my buddy Oddball. <laughs> I'm crazy. I mean, like, so many positive ways. Maybe we can't lose. You're on. Hello Rescuers, my name's Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing games hobby. With two longer interview episodes between Frank's call-in, which, by the way, was an awesome impression, and a message that had me cackling with laughter, well, it's been a month since I last hopped onto the mic and spoke about all anything, really. So this episode is a GM intrusion into the flow of the season to do two things. First, I wanted to share and respond to a few call-in messages that I've received throughout January and February. It's never good to leave them hanging too long, lest people feel I'm not listening and then just stop calling. But second, I thought I'd update you on a couple of areas in my own hobby and thoughts. We just played a second face-to-face session at the Dice Cup. The school club has shifted to playing Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game as well. And I've even taken part as a player in an experimental modern-day game designed to seek deeper otherworld immersion. On top of that, I'm beginning to explore my own methodology and rules to bring to life both a primal fantasy game and a kind of traveller-inspired post-apocalyptic science fiction star-faring game. It's been the busiest period of actual gaming that I've experienced in years. Thanks in advance to today's callers, Frank, Simon, Dan, John and Evil Jeff. I hugely appreciate you taking the time to either click the link to SpeakPipe and record there or hop into a memo recording app and email in the sound file. These are all good messages that help keep me fired up and moving forward, so thank you. It's Season 13, Episode 13, Intermission. Hi, Jay. Simon Williams here. Just listened to episode 1310, and I'm really pleased for you that the face-to-face group went so well. And, um, yeah, it made me think about the fact that, as you know, my face-to-face group I found through Meetup, and I also had a situation whereby I was oversubscribed for my game, so I started off with with three interested players and then quickly ramped up to seven, and I actually took them all on um, and found that I had a very large group to deal with. Um, Subsequently, after four years or so that's dropped down to five players which is a bit more manageable but yeah it's difficult isn't it when when uh, more people want to come to your game than you would you know ideally like um but i i find it difficult to turn people away as well so uh yeah but i'm so pleased for you and um and uh, yeah I, I look forward to hearing more about how that goes also with regard to episode 1309 your interview with daniel jones uh, from primary fantasy really really interesting interview some great insights um and i think there's what it made me think about was there is absolutely a sweet spot between getting a level of fantasy that enables that escape that escapism from the real world with that level of verisimilitude and grounded fantasy that makes it real enough that we can engage with it 
Um, that's really hard to find sometimes, I think. And, and you know, there's, there's always that kind of tension between the two. But when you find it, I think it can offer a really rich and rewarding experience. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to find out more about, about uh, Daniel's uh, game as he develops it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing more of that when he uh, finally gets around to doing so. But um, yeah, great interview. Really enjoyed it. Anyway, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Simon. It's great to have a message from you. And I'm really glad, like with Frank, that you enjoyed the episode 10, playing face-to-face, reporting on what had happened with the meetup group meeting at the Dice Cup in Nottingham. And it's, I suppose, a good moment to sort of talk about what just happened as I record this, like yesterday. So we met and um, for a second time, and the cool thing was we had seven players. <laughs> uh, like you, I had five uh, turn up the first session, um, and then we had two more people sign up to this second session. And I had actually asked that if people wanted to do that, they get in touch with me. Um, and and in the end, I just could not turn people away. In the end, I just felt like wrong to do so, especially with relatively new players, people who are wanting to find a group. So yesterday we ran a game. I found myself running a very straightforward dungeon game. Um, pretty straightforward short dungeon adventure I actually recycled something from my own sort of notes back in the day um, and eventually that goes actually all the way back to 2016 which I kind of revised for Felmere and that was a lot of fun to do I completely messed up the opening scene there's a scene outside where there's um, some creatures guarding an entrance to the dungeon and the players were some distance away and I just allowed myself to fall into going through to combat mode and now with GURPS Dungeon Fantasy role-playing game that is essentially a second by second process and what i really should have done is just said right it's 40 yards from where you are to where they are they're going to get to shoot three times and if the archers could also do three shots back and then we just kind of narrate them getting into the close combat instead i went second by second and it was not bad but i just didn't think it worked very well in that way and it's one of the things that reminded me of the need to as gm be flexible enough to sort of shift time speed you know what i mean and like move people into combat i think it's coming from a little bit from inexperience with the game and i, I desired to not sort of shortchange the players of the experience but actually you know it it would have been a lot faster and they would have got into the dungeon itself quicker um once they're in the dungeon though really uh, had some fun with that and exploring around dealing with some simple some simple stuff and then getting towards the end we actually finished towards the end of the dungeon and they are aware that there's a secret area they're trying to access but they haven't figured out how to open the door to get into it yet although they know there's a door there um and and that's kind of cool and and i sort of said like you if you want we can withdraw the players back to town and you can have the opportunity to kind of recover injuries uh and uh, you know, spend your character points and spend your money and things like that or we can kind of freeze frame here and pick up next time and they chose to freeze frame in a traditional style so it's starting to feel like our next session is in march and it's starting to feel like this will be you know a more of an ongoing game at this point which is kind of cool i had to admit to the group that i uh i wasn't too comfortable with having seven players and but we'll see how it goes because I, I kind of feel like, like i said i don't want to turn people away um and it seemed okay it was just like a lot slower around the table i suppose um, when you're trying to get people to make decisions but um i don't know i, I like you experience i imagine that over time there's possibly going to be people drop out anyway um i'm hoping they don't because um i really like the people the biggest reflection i had yesterday i, I blogged about um is the fact that 
for all of the worry I have about like, is my world any good and is my methods working? Are my rules kind of cool? In the end, what makes the game at the table is the group of people there. And that group of people, although I don't know them very well at all, seem really nice, kind and open. You know, really open to trying stuff out and experimenting together. And and um, I really appreciated that. I think that was what made the game. And I guess what I'm saying is if you're sitting here listening to this and thinking about maybe nervously want, or wanting face-to-face play but not kind of knowing how to pull it together, well, Meetup worked for us um, as it's worked for Simon. And the second thing to say is that generally speaking, I think the people that we meet at the gaming table want to have a good time. They are nice, kind people for all of the... Uh, trolls and stuff out there in social media I think that that's not representative of the actual real world and I'm also really pleased that it's such a diverse group as well it's um, a real mix of people and I enjoyed that kind of that sense of coming together in a community together as, as gamers which was really nice so yeah thanks Simon for calling on the subject of Daniel Jones and Primeval Fantasy and and all of that. Yeah, I found myself well as well, kind of drawn increasingly towards wanting that other world immersed experience. I've been having some play uh, as a player in a modern game, which I'll talk about perhaps in a little bit. Um, but also, one of the things um, has started to happen is I'm starting to think about how to get that balance for myself, and that's led me down some interesting paths as well. I don't know. Watch this space. There's more news coming. Cheers, Simon. Hey Shay, Dan here. A few weeks ago, you mentioned something about uh, perhaps doing a kind of convention, like a, a ShayCon or Roleplay Rescue Fest. Did I imagine that? Is that something in the pipeline? I'd love to hear about it. Oh, okay, hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Dan, for calling. And yeah, I did mention something on those lines. Uh, back in episode six, Seeking Face to Face, and I said, well, I'll quote... So here we are. My gut says the meetup won't work, that going to the gaming cafe will find me sitting alone, and even the Discord post will gain nothing. But I needed to make the attempt. The alternative is playing online, which is not a bad option, but not what I truly want either. Please, please forgive me for saying this, dear online players, but I'd give a lot to be able to sit around the table and roll real dice with real faces, because online is just not quite the same. And on that note, there's just one more crazy suggestion to make. Option three, create a roleplay rescue convention in 2024. But surely no one would want to help make that a reality. And yeah, that's where that comes from. (laughs) I actually have had only you, Dan, ask about this. It's really interesting how few people have picked up on it. I guess it's like it was a throwaway remark, and maybe nobody took it seriously, but I uh, I think I would love to do that. I would love to put together a sort of gaming convention here in the UK uh, around our community and play some games and run some games. That would be great. I just don't know that I could pull that off, if you know what I mean. I don't know that I've got the time and energy to make it real. So um, I think it would it would have to be a team effort and I guess if that's an offer you know uh, then I'd love to hear from people who might want to sort of take it forward I also just want to reflect though that you know Seeking Face to Face episode 6 so we're talking a good 10-12 weeks ago now 
you know, I was not sure that Meetup would work. I wasn't sure that my gaming would take off in the way that it has. And oh my goodness, it has. So in one sense, option three isn't necessary, uh, at least not at this point. That doesn't mean to say we couldn't do it, right? I have a sort of vague, I mean, even if it was like, I don't know, we get together somewhere, a whole bunch of people come together and just play a couple of games, that would be cool. It doesn't have to be big, right? It'd just be, you know, maybe, I mean, uh, how many people listen to this podcast? Um, globally, uh, a few hundred, but uh, basically UK-based, I, I would imagine that we could probably fill a couple of tables. <laughs> so I don't know. Let me know if there's interest out there, you know, um, get in touch, you know, drop me a line, come up on uh, call in drop in on a discord whatever and you know maybe we could do something i think it would be worthwhile but i'm really not sure who's interested so dan you know uh whip up some support will you that'd be great uh, thanks for the question hi jay it's john mcnally from the pacific northwest calling in response to Season 13, episode 12, your conversation with Bob from SafeCodeCast. First, I want to say it's great to have Bob as a member of the Discord community. The book club channel is a lot of fun. And I appreciate how he's inspired folks to pick up those fiction, that pick up the fiction and um, enjoy exercising a, a part of the brain that maybe we, we don't as often as we'd like. Uh, it's that element about doing something that's for if, if you know for ourselves even for a short period of time and the therapeutic value of that greatly identified with that and also got me thinking about what prompted me to develop a similar habit about a year ago i was reading the ingrid gm's blog and he was talking i i, I think the, the column was about uh getting better at descriptions as a g as a gm and there was part of it that was something about um rehabilitating your poor atrophied imagination or something like that. And uh, one of his recommendations was read more fiction, reading fiction as a way to exercise my imagination, to build that imaginative muscle. You know, I will readily reach for a piece of nonfiction and I can easily justify the time I spend on it. It's like, it's good for me or something. But I did find as I was building this practice that reading fiction, it, it Occasionally, it felt like an indulgence. You know, I had to get over that hump. But one way or another, I felt like I experienced the benefits that the Angry GM talked about in his his little article. Um, I, when I was running games, I could really visualize a scene, and I felt I could better convey it to my players. And when I was preparing a game, I felt like I, I had a. Uh, a broader range of options available to me somehow, or I was coming at problems from different angles or, you know, or at least it felt that way, which I think is still worth something, whether, whether it's actually measurably the case or not. Anyhow, um, it's pretty neat. I think the Anchor GM was onto something and thanks to Bob for bringing it to the community. Um, just about out of time. So I will say thanks, Che, for bringing Bob on the show. Thanks, Bob, for uh, bringing the, 5% challenge to the group. Talk to you soon. Jay, it's Evil Jeff. Thank you for the interview with Bob, Safeco, Craft, whatever. <laughs> uh, the 5% reading challenge. Um, I had already started something in, a, in the vein of that, um, but it was more of a time-based thing. 
where I realized I was wasting a lot of time doing things that really were not worth anything, you know, maybe too much time on social media, looking at other stuff and decided that I needed to, you know, cut that out at a certain time. Like, Hey, shut all that stuff down unless there's absolute things that you got to do and then go get the book and start reading and at least read for half an hour. So while I might not get through 5%, the fact that I'm reading, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy with other guys on the audio dungeon discord. And then I've got other books that I'm reading at the same time. You know, that 30 minutes is uh, a good way to try to use up the day, the reading time that I have, and especially not spend too much time wasting away on things that really won't matter in the long run. It's not really edifying. Thanks for the interview. We'll talk to you later. Thank you to John and Evil Jeff. And I'm sure Bob will be absolutely made up to hear the response. It's been so positive, actually. We have quite a few people on the RPR Discord who've been taking part in the 5% Challenge, myself included. And I just wanted to kind of reflect back on those reflections. I think Jeff's absolutely right about like making time for things that are a little bit more important. And one of those things is time to enjoy something that you enjoyed, like novels, uh, fiction generally is uh, you know it can be pleasant and I think the biggest mistake I've made is is kind of persevering with books I don't like uh, I've I had this situation yesterday I finished a book um, on Friday and then Saturday evening I thought oh what should I try I picked up an old uh, something I downloaded on my Kindle um, I saw kind of an urban fantasy novel and it was and I read the first five percent but it was really not enjoyable it was really badly written frankly um and so you know it just took the decision of i'm going to start something else um but you know in since uh, taking on the challenge in december and november start of december i'm up to five novels read and about to start my sixth and it is yeah it's cool um sometimes it's a bit tough uh but it is very very cool and Coming to John's point, I also think he's right that it helps fuel your imagination. I think like the Angry GMs talk about, you know, engaging yourself with popular media is really, really important. I think obviously the quality of what you read will affect your experience too. I think it's like Christopher R. Rice talked about a while ago as well about watching film and watching TV series uh, as well as reading novels. This idea of like the more you in sort of culture of gaming and, and fantasy and science fiction you absorb, the more you've got to draw on subconsciously to be creative at your own table. And um, this stuff happens and percolates below the surface. It's a subconscious process. So, yeah, I think it all feeds that. But more than anything else, I'd, I'd still like to reiterate Bob's original point, which is... Make some time for yourself. It's good for your mental health. Um, it's good to enjoy something, and you do have the you know you're an adult. You can give yourself permission to to stop and do something really constructive and useful. I I know for myself, I've spent way too many hours over the years on social media, for example, and it's not edifying. It's not positive. Uh, it drains me. Reading a novel goes a long way. Do you like your tabletop RPGs to be grim? gritty and grounded? If so, then Legend of the Bones is the podcast for you. A hybrid of dark fantasy audio drama and old school solo D&D. In Legend of the Bones the dice rule. There'll be no re-rolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The roll of the bones will determine the character's destiny and no one will be spared their fate. 
none shall escape the destiny of bone. Hey, it's uh, Tuesday evening. It's about 25 to 5. I'm just tidying up in my classroom. And it's been a weird old evening, really. Um, so the Dindy guys came along. We had a... Um, they didn't really want to know what they wanted to do adventure-wise. And um, one of the characters... They suppose one of the students needs to sort of build a character. So they were doing that for a little while. Um, and... I, we were just talking, really. I was talking about how I got another adult group playing in Felmere, and then they were asking, like... I got asked directly, like, do the adults play the same game as us? And I was like, no, they don't play basically d d now. We start... I said, oh, we started with basically d d the very first games, but um, actually we play a different game. We play a game called Dungeon Fantasy, role-playing game. And um, they were like, oh, what's that? And a couple of kids were a bit nervous. Oh, is that, like, super complicated? So I said, no, it's not complicated, it's, it's more detailed. Um, you know, and they were like, well, what's it like? So what we did is I got them to uh, very quickly create some characters. So I sort of said, like, write down strength, dexterity, IQ, and health. You have 10 in everything. Decide, are you strong, fast, or smart? We modified the numbers and pick a weapon skill. Pick three things your character's good at, and we add some numbers to those. And then I did a very simple little encounter with goblins and them exploring a bit of tiny bit of dungeon uh, to rescue some children. It might be familiar to some of you who've played with me for a while. And um, in the fight, I just ran them through how dungeon fantasy role playing, powered by GURPS, works in really simple terms. And bear in mind, I had none of the rule books with me, so I had to sort of do everything off the top of my head. Um, and they had a blast, they had an absolute whale of time. And what a couple of things came out really. One of the things that they really liked was the fact that they got to defend themselves in battle. And they really liked, uh, one of the uh, girls had a character with a bow, and as soon as that bow hit their goblin, which had no armor, um, I was going, right, roll your damage, and then they rolled. And um, I think I did it as 1d plus 1, and then he rolled, and they got like sort of 5 damage. And I said, right, double that, because it's impaling damage and like what and this goblin kind of went down you know and they were like oh it's so cool that that and then later on when axe got swung and i'm like it's cutting so put half again the damage on and wow that's really really cool Um, in other words they liked the detail and um the end of the session the they're like um is it possible to put our characters into that game and I'm like well yeah that's doable it's a you know it takes a bit of work but it's it's doable why um and so the long and short of it is that the guys have asked to transfer characters now one of the character players actually liked their new character better than their old character so they decided because you know remember old characters were rolled randomly and they just had what they had right and this girl's like, I just, you know, I've been all right with this character, but if I can choose, this is what I'd rather have. And of course you can choose, that's kind of the thing. And so uh, that I'm going to transfer the new character and build them up a little bit. But the other characters are like, um, they're just like happy to transfer across. So I've got a bit of homework, I guess, which is for next week to put together the characters and bring them over, um, which I really didn't expect to happen, to be honest with you. Um, wasn't planning that at all just came out of enthusiastic to talking about the game I'd had on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, mm, interesting, isn't it? So it looks like um, Felmir is now you know, shifting um, entirely to being a Dungeon Fantasy campaign, which 
I don't know, that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Um, but it is a thing. So, game on. Hi, Che. It's Andrew. I listened to TM's journal, 219. I wanted to say I think I was uh, unreasonably happy to hear about uh, the kids in the school club asking about and then trying out dungeon fantasy role-playing game. Uh, it, it's really cool that they're opening up to other games besides D&D uh, and trying things out. Uh, I always want to point out that uh, you seem to have run a good session of uh, a GURPS-based game uh, from memory without the books in front of you, so it can't be all that complicated like people say it is. Anyway, uh, keep up the great job. Talk to you soon. Bye. So there you have it. The big news with the school D&D club is now that it's Dungeon Fantasy Roleplaying Club. And that excerpt from the GM's journal, 219, I think, um, was from some weeks ago now, back in, I think it's the 16th of January when that happened. And we have played um, several sessions since, and it's been really, really cool. They've had a lot of fun with it. Um, We did actually have a pretty unfortunate death of some characters. Well, actually characters being locked unconscious and abandoned by their one surviving teammate and therefore presumably dead uh but you know it is uh it's kind of been fun and the guys have really been enjoying playing the system so i basically have all of my games on our dungeon fantasy role-playing game which has its advantages but has started to feel a bit weird too um i'm not you know it's, it's kind of like i did not expect that to happen Back again, coming back to like the end of last year, I would never have predicted this course of of events. But I, I wanted to also share Andrew's call in. So thank you, Andrew, for this. And sorry I didn't mention you at the start. But I, uh, yeah, I just really appreciated that comment and reflection about how it was possible for me to run a very quick intro to the game, creating characters in, in just a few minutes, like less than five, ten minutes, and then diving into some play with them. And it was it was fun, you know, and and has kind of transitioned into playing Dungeon Fantasy. And actually, in the most recent session, a couple of the players who'd lost their characters were sitting down with Delvers to grow and kind of just quickly knocking out their characters. I've got to tie those up for session, but you know that's that's kind of all ready to go. So it's been it's been a good transition. I just wanted to share it, and I thought rather than just talk about it, maybe just sharing the original kind of you know the gm journal extract from when that actually happened would would be the best way so there you go folks that's news uh from the D no longer now it's dungeon fantasy role playing club um but yeah the guys are having fun i think so that's cool and thanks andrew again for calling So what's all this about an experimental modern day game designed to seek deeper otherworld immersion Well, those who listen to the Casting Shadows podcast will have heard me and Anthony, uh, also known as Runeslinger, there talk in the past about my desire for Otherworld Immersed Play. This was some months ago, um, and after that particular interview, I had contact from one of Anthony's friends and fellow gamers and GMs, um, Ivan. He basically offered to run me a another world immersed game and we had a conversation which kind of led us to exploring a sort of modern conspiracy weird game um and we started to try and plan that i 
managed to sort of draw in a couple of other players and then the whole thing kind of fell apart a bit because we could not get a scheduling match between these four people uh, i really thought we'd be playing in december but it actually turned out to be like february before we could even get around to play a session so we had a session we need to have a second session that's coming in a couple of weeks time but uh yeah, we have started to uh, play in this game, and I have to admit, I found it extremely difficult. Uh, it's not like it was it was a fine session and everything else and so many different things, but I found it really difficult for a number of reasons, and nothing really to do with Ivan. Everything to do with me and my habits around gaming, and I realized a couple of things that are worth reflecting on, I suppose. The, the biggest thing is that I'm so used to playing with rules in front of me, there is a certain dependency upon like how you quantify your character. And I essentially had a couple of sentences that um, Ivan had put together as a summary of the discussion we'd had, and that was it, because all the other rules and all of the, the actual character sheet was behind the screen with him. And that was deliberate. We wanted to have the rules opacity thing that Daniel Jones has talked about so much. What I found was, though, that that was just not enough for me to act upon. And it's really interesting that in our own games, we've we've done um, some fantasy gaming in other world of Mirror styles some months ago, like a year or so ago now. Um, and in that, players we had had I had provided them with a sort of character sheet, but essentially a descriptive character sheet it had no numbers and no rules mechanic stuff, but just had sort of a sense of like their relative ability with things, and maybe a list of like things they're trained in and things that they are kind of have knowledge of and stuff like that. So there's a a sense of quantifying. Um, and shaping the character now this is intersected with my own desire to get back to a little bit of solo play and i also spoke earlier about sort of beginning to explain my own methodology around uh, bringing to life a primal fantasy game and also a traveler inspired post-apocalyptic science fiction starfaring game which is a long-winded thing but you know you know it's working titles um but yeah in, in doing that I, again i'm coming back to this realization that players probably at least if they're anything like me players need something to help them get a handle on who their character is and even if that's them making their own notes and writing down like a list of stuff like um some notes about their character that helps them to remember and keep it consistent and also like focus on what their character is all about then that's cool it doesn't i don't think it necessarily has to be very long or detailed but it does needs something and and that's got me thinking a lot about getting back to descriptive play and so yeah the the, the experiment that i'm working on a sort of personal level um, working with ivan he's running this game and and the, the group's kind of enjoying that and we're just playing with it i as a player need to you know really come to grips with my character and i think that the most difficult part about it was that the, the gm sort of just giving this very very sketchy overplay and then it's kind of like through play i'm having to figure out what he is and isn't good at i sort of felt like it would have been maybe better if uh we'd have discussed that in more detail prior you know it's kind of interesting which brings me to like the methodology i used when i ran the fantasy game and the methodology i'm thinking about using for future games in these kind of other settings which is to say having a really distinct and detailed conversation with the player uh, and working through with them like the almost the, not entirely a backstory but the the background of their character and like some details about their character which which can be quantified descriptively and then from that building the character with his mechanisms which will obviously be behind the screen 
So I wanted to reflect that back and say, like, I'm so grateful to Ivan for having helped me be on the other side of the screen because I so rarely get to do that. Um, and um, enjoyed that experience of you know being in the imaginary world more, but realizing the the way in which the concept of a character sheet, the concept of like quantifying your character, is is kind of helpful. And I actually I, I start to realize that qualitative statements about your character are probably more useful than quantitative ones, if that makes sense. So, like the quality of my abilities in in role are super important what i'm good at is really really super important and what i'm really bad at is super important um the specific numbers aren't and i just i don't know I, i'm kind of spitballing out some thoughts here but i wanted to share with you where i'm at in my thinking it's um I have this desire i'm I'm running like three games of dungeon fantasy role-playing game in felmere and having a lot of fun it's the regular style of a game. That's all cool, but I'm still hungry to go deeper. And yeah, those experiments continue. And I guess that's probably about all I can say at this stage. The experiments continue. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. That's it. Thank you once again to all the callers, Frank, Simon, Dan, John, Evil, Jeff, and Andrew, for inspiring and supporting the show. And thanks to the callers on the GM's Journal Weekly, too. You all keep me fired up. Thanks to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Your support funds the meetup, subscription, and the school club for students. Thank you to John from Tale of the Manticore for the Roleplay Rescue theme music. Most of all, thank you to you for showing up and listening. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again next time. Game on.